Reggae Uprising podcast family and welcome to another episode. If you are fresh and new to Reggae Uprising podcast, it is all about connecting people of the African diaspora through wisdom, overstanding, inspiration, all backed by a soundtrack of sweet reggae music. So every single Wednesday, I have a fresh and new guest on that shares their journey, their story, their inspiration and their wisdom for all of us to benefit from collectively as a community. If you or somebody you know would like to feature in a future episode, all you have to do is get in contact with me via daniel.co.uk, where you can also find previous episodes of Reggae Uprising podcast alongside my other weekly show, Reggae Uprising, which is out every single Monday, where you can check me out singing, giving you some high vibes reggae energy. And you can also check out my original works as as well as being your host for Reggae Uprising podcast. I am also a conscious reggae soul singer songwriter. So like I said, you can check out those original works via daniel.co.uk. I will leave those links in the description for you. For all of my reggae listeners, big up. Thank you so much for all of your support. Thank you for sharing the podcast. Thank you for your beautiful comments. Thank you for all of the love you show weekly for these works. I really, really do appreciate it. And it spurs me on every single week to, like I said, keep getting new guests on and keep pushing out these high vibrations. As as you know, in the UK right now, we are still in lockdown. So we have to counterbalance all the negativity with these positive works. So I think it's about time we got started with today's guest first selection, which is Bitty McLean. It keeps raining. songwriter, music entrepreneur and co-owner of virtual management platform Tulu Presents. Greetings and welcome Vince Aisha. Hello, hello. Uh, How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. Can you tell us the reason for that first selection that we just heard? Yeah, so that uh, that was a song that I used to listen to as a child um, and it would come on top of the pop 
Um, I grew up in a really, really religious Christian household, so we weren't really allowed to listen to secular music. And I remember um, constantly getting in trouble because every single time that song came up, I would not be able to contain myself. I would get up and start just dancing. I couldn't help it. So I'd always get caught dancing to that song when I was a kid and getting in so much trouble for it. But you didn't care. You were like, it's worth it. It's worth it. A hundred percent worth it. Every single time I hear it, it just gets me. It's, there's just something about it that gets me and I just want to dance. <laughs> uh, so speaking of heritage, you just mentioned a little bit there. Can you tell us more about your heritage? As obviously the show is all about, you know, um, sharing our experiences of the African diaspora. Yeah. So heritage wise, my um, grandparents were from the Caribbean. I grew up with my paternal grandmother um, my whole my whole life. So, um, growing up, you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of Jamaican influences in our household in terms of the food and the music and the stories. It was very very much richly entrenched in it because it was very close to home because I was with someone of the generation before. Um, so, growing up. In our household, my mum was a minister, so I went to a Pentecostal church. It's where I learned to sing, um, and um, there was a lot of gospel influences, and again, a lot of influences from the Caribbean because of um, the elder generation being so prominent in the church at the time. So my background sort of is is quite close to that, even though I've never been to Jamaica, which is where uh, most of my family's from. So you mentioned the types of music that your um, your mom and by the sounds of it your grandmother listened to. Was it all gospel that you heard in the house then? Apart from obviously yes. you sneaking on those pop songs or those reggae songs, should I say? <laughs> that, I used, that I used to sneak and listen into, yeah. But uh, no, predominantly, you know, what I grew up around and listening to was gospel music, yeah. And how do you think that influenced... Um, you know your music choices. Do you did you kind of stick with the gospel? You listen to the like the more um, the more commercial sound at the time, or did you kind of did the gospel influence you as well? Apart from your early singing, yeah, I mean heavily, heavily, always been influenced by gospel music, and it's formed so much of the foundations of what I I like and listen to now. Um, and just what I'm generally attracted to sound-wise, I love harmonies. I love real, real intense harmonies. I love soulful singing. Um, and I'm, I'm quite, uh, whilst I have been trained, I'm quite an intuitive-led singer. I like to go based on feelings. I don't necessarily like to stick to the rules. And I'll, I'll go with how the music makes me feel. And that's such a big part of um, what, how my mute my own music comes across in terms of I really like to um I like to convey through the styles and tones in the sounds that I use in my voice where I place certain vocal techniques and that's all stuff you learn in the church I always say to people like even people I teach now the best singing teaching you could ever get in your life is if you're part of a gospel choir or if you're on a worship team in a pentecostal church because you go through your paces vocally that like serious serious singing where there's not many flaws not much room forever um and so for me that kind of music is the bar as far as what it sounds like the way it's composed the way it's put together um 
every single element of it is done so perfectly but then quite often a lot of it is improvisation and that's for me I just feel like being in a, a situation where you know the musicians may have not practiced together that week or someone might be standing in for someone else they might just go off on a riff and everyone's going to start uh, bouncing off the person who's singing the lead melody and the guitar's going to go off the singers and then everything's going to form around it that's like true musicianship in in my eyes so i always look at gospel as the pinnacle of everything in music and then falling down from that i love r&b i love soul i love neo soul and again you have that really like my some of my favorite artists like erica badu or lauren hill or jill scott it's really meaningful poetic strong uh, emotive music and that that's what i'm all about so you mentioned earlier when i asked you about your heritage um that food playing a factor which we all know um is a massive factor in all of our lives um all those dishes that remind us of home can you tell us of your dish that most reminds you of home i think curry goat is probably my main thing that makes me think of my childhood and it was one of my favorite things i was quite a fussy eater so i wouldn't very often venture out to try too many different things but that was one dish that would I would always be coming back for seconds, thirds, fourths. <laughs> so have you st- have you got the recipe then, the original recipe, or is that top secret? I, I, to be fair, I feel like it is a secret. It was never like a sort of, it was never like an acknowledged thing, but my grandma's style does taste very different to anybody else's. And I do think that out of me and my other siblings who grew up with her, I probably have the, the flavour techniques. But I did used to watch a lot when she was doing it okay so do you do you hold that over your other siblings and you're like i actually i've got the recipe and you haven't you tried but i've actually got it i think i think so i feel like i feel like i know that there'll be dispute and when they when they listen to this they will be like excuse me but i always think that i have the balance of spice and flavouring correct. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I love that. And before we, before we move on to your next selection, can you remember any phrases or sayings used in your ho- household that kind of stick with you? Maybe you didn't get them at the time or maybe they've kind of, you know, been there at, at points in your life where you kind of needed that push and you thought of that phrase that was told to you when you were young. You're like, yes, I'm going to use that to motivate me. <laughs> um... Do you know? Do you know what? A lot of a a lot of the stuff that my grandma would say was quite often very random. Like some of it to this day, I'm like, what was she talking about? Um, but um, I think maybe along with her, uh, maybe along with her, her more whimsical, her more whimsical quote, she used to say, uh, "When trouble takes you, a baby shirt will fit you." That was that's what. <laughs> That I would I do in my adult life think gosh when you're in hot water you can make quite a lot of things happen um so that one is that one's probably the one that stuck with me most because I feel like there's been some times where I've been in a corner and I'm like how am I going to make this work and it's like oh you know you're going to make it work now you're in this situation so yeah I think that's the same that's probably stuck with me the most but my grandma used to say a lot of really random things really <laughs> random <laughs> We're going to move on with your next selection now, which is Sister Nancy, Bam Bam. Why did you choose this selection? 
I just I love her as an artist, as a, as a person, as a woman in the music industry, um, especially in the sector of music that she's from. I find her so inspirational. That song has been sampled as well in some of my ultimate favorite songs. So I love um, I love the influence that she's had, and I love her. I mean, even just the lyrics of the the song, how she like expresses herself and like talks about herself. It, I feel like it was such a um, groundbreaking way for a female in that space to express themselves. So yeah. Here we go with Sister Nancy. Bam bam. Tell me, say one thing, Nancy, if you understand. Who one thing, Nancy, if you understand? What make them a talk about me ambition? Say what make who them a talk about me ambition? Come and say some of them a ask me where me get it from. Just some of them a ask me where me get it from. I told them no, no, it's from creation. I told them no, no, it's from creation. Bam, bam, hey, yo. What a bam, 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 bam. earlier your influence of gospel music but can you tell us what or who inspired you to take up a career in music um i think oh, i have a couple of inspirations i think um just in general i think the circumstance circumstances of my life and how i discovered music how i stumbled upon the fact that i had a voice how i found it as such an escapism and in the back of my mind, I always, always wanted to be able to sing um, professionally as my career. Um, I think my sister is just a sensational writer and she really, she used to write songs when I was younger and she she did music at school. So she'd quite often come home with a song that she'd written. And, and again, I just found it so amazing that she could put stuff like that together. Um, but also singing as a memory for me, it was always when I was my happiest. So when I think back on what makes me happy, I always come back to the place of music. And that is, and that's like just soul vibes sort of ties into what I was saying about how I, how I feel music and how I, how I try and go intuitively led because it is just a place where I feel like that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Can you remember your first ever performance? Yes, it was at ch- church in um, at, in Leamington, actually, at the church in Leamington. Um, and it was a song that that had been, like, learnt a few weeks before in the Sunday school. But then I kind of, like, almost, I almost, like, jazzed it up a little bit, just made it a bit more, a bit less childlike. It was a bit more, it was a bit more like the kind of things that I saw the uh, worship leaders doing where there was a bit more vocal dynamics and I just took one of the really sort of simplistic Sunday school songs and jazzed it up a bit and then I really wanted to perform it and um, so I asked and asked and eventually it was agreed that I could get 
to go and do my uh, funky rendition of I Said Yes, Lord Yes, which I still, I'm, I feel like it was great to this day. Would you perform it again now? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> on the spot. Um, I said yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I said yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Woo! <laughs> yes! <laughs> Love it, love it, love it. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you. No worries. I felt that one. <laughs> so you kind of touched on your sister's songwriting. Um, can you tell us a bit more about your process for songwriting? Yeah. So depending on where I'm drawing experience from, it's actually a real good thing because I've been going through the motions at the moment of putting a course together. And so I've been practicing and working with loads of different techniques. Um, ordinarily, in my early teens, and like late teens, sorry, and early 20s, I used to really have to be inspired by something or something would have to have happened or I would have to have had my heart broken. And I really, really heavily leaned on inspiration. But the older I've got, uh, the older I've gotten, the more I lean on the skill element of it, knowing that I can pull from other people's stories or a quote or a set of words. So I have words that I would love to use in a song. Um, and then I'll keep them all together and then I'll pull one out and then I'll say, I'd really like to use this word in a song. I'm going to use this as the, the springboard to start. Sometimes still to this day when um, I have, you know, emotional traumas or things going on in my life, I still draw from the inspiration from that. And I think those situations, you're always going to get the most organic and beautiful music. But I think when it comes to it just being like a job and a task to do, if someone needs to write, need something writing for them or if you're in a session with an artist and they need a hook coming up with I think relying on the skill that you learn of being able to piece words together and place them with melody I tend to lean more towards that now but it varies it varies and it starts with a feeling or it starts with a word and I'll think of what scenarios would I use that word in um how how would I feel if I was and then I just work from there so do you start obviously start with the lyrics first and then the melody afterwards, generally? Um, generally, but again, it, I, I suppose it, it does depend, again, because if I'm just listening to an instrumental and I've not gone in with like the intention maybe to write, I'm just listening to music or I put a beat on, sometimes the melody will come first and then I'll hum it out and then fit to the syllables to it. Um, but th I wouldn't say I would ever intentionally step out or to write that way that usually comes if I'm listening to something and then the idea sparks but the melody comes first and then I work backwards from it but largely yeah I'll start with a lyric or a lyrical concept that kind of works and then um, piece it together that way but I'll only ever um really I'll only ever really be leaning towards one or other for the first line once I've got the first line out I usually just sing everything else off the back Okay, and what are your ambitions for your singing career for two, uh, 2021? 
This year, I mean, it's uh, my artistic process is very, very long. And with the various ups and downs of the industries, there's like a lot of start and stop, especially over the past year. Um, you know, getting in the studio has been difficult or physically meeting up and doing things over Zoom is quite a lot harder. Um, so I've been working on an album for quite some time, which is intended to be just to say how much can I say um so it's a visual project um I can say that much um it's a visual project and it's been we've been working on it for for quite some time now um but there's just a last minute set of changes to the actual music um that with that goes with the songs that we're changing um so for this year my main goal will be to release that visual project and to be perfectly honest I'll probably be in the space where I'm doing various different things with that for for another year or so and it it's it took me about 18 months to write the whole thing some of the songs have like five or six versions and now they're all going to get a final version so I've really taken my time with the process so this year I really hope to be able to a show it to people who have always supported uh, my music like since the beginning when I was I was in a group of like years back um so to sort of give them something else because it has been a while since I've released the full like studio project and hopefully can, to get back to doing some shows I really want to I really really want to perform at people's houses this year like I really want to do a bunch of house concerts up and down the country I like just some real stripped back intimate get to meet people because I really miss like connecting with new people um I've really missed that over the last year and I think at gigs you get to do that so much and I do love to play intimate gigs much prefer intimate gigs to large ones um but I really want to like strip it down and get people so that they can understand the song and the stories that go with the song um because it's such an intricate project so I don't want to just churn it out on a mass scale I really want to be able to explain it to people and get people and get people people to understand and notice things that they might not have seen in the videos and notice things about the story they might not have noticed i really want to be able to build that in a personal way so for now we're going to move on turn your lights down low bob marley and lauren hill why did you choose this selection um i i love lauren hill like she is one of my inspirations one of my huge huge inspirations i love like everything she did and i and i just like getting into this collaboration and the um the teaming on of the on the song of the voices of her bringing that whole scenario to life it felt like they'd actually you know done it together and that was really i thought super impressive so i just really enjoyed that particular particular duet here we go with Turn Your Lights Down Low, Bob Marley and Lauren Hill. Turn your lights down low And pull your window curtain Oh, let your moon come shining in Into our life again
Can you tell us more about how you started Tulu Presents and why? Yeah. So actually, um, my friend founded the company while she was at university and I was doing something else. Um, And I had, you know, gotten quite a good way of the way with that. And she had taken Tulu to where she had got it um, as an event that was being run. But... She had an event in near near where I live, and a lot of the performers dropped out. And by chance, someone reached out to me to book for it. And so I went to perform, and um, as she booked me for it, she created this really cool profile online uh, to talk about my performance. She put all my links on there, um, and she was really proactive in promoing the gig and I just thought I really like this girl's energy and vibe and after the show we started talking and um she told me a bit more about the idea I told her a bit more about what I was doing and we decided oh let's collaborate um so we started meeting up talking about things going places and doing little things here and there together and then we just saw it taking legs and we both were so similar had a had a very similar mindset had a very similar passion for it so we both just started pushing um, forward, recruiting artists, and through my connections, I was bringing more uh, artists to the platform. And then we just thought, you know, this is this is such a good thing. Let's combine what we're doing. And and um, so we bought we bought the two things together. And finally, actually, we realised we realised that um, like about six months into us working on Tulu together, we realised that. A year or so before, we'd met in the smoking area at an event in in my hometown, and we'd both been talking to each other about us going off to start our separate projects that we we had then later started, and we'd like been getting really excited with each other. And I was like, "Oh my god, that sounds like an amazing idea!" And she was like, "You sound like it's an amazing idea, and you're going to smash it." And then we went, and we like came back completely forgot about the incident because I think we were quite drunk on the evening as well. We've been out on um, at a concert in Leamington um so we'd met in the smoking area and it was we completely had forgotten about it and then our paths obviously crossed again so it just it always it's always really felt like it was meant to be like it, it, everything that in our company has just come together so perfectly from the artists that we work with to mine and Georgie's working dynamic to the fact that we've managed to build it to the point of where it is now and to where it's going to be by the end of this year it's always felt like it was meant to happen it definitely does how well you can't even say it's random it's like you said it sounds like it's definitely meant to be um in terms of the artists that are listening um can you give them an insight in the services that you offer yeah so we really when we started um, speaking to artists and seeing how we could be more of service to them outside of shows, we kind of got everyone to tell us their um, to tell us their pain points. And one of the main things that kept cropping up was people saying, "Like, I really need a team. Like, I need a team of people who are going to help to push and." give a bit of infrastructure and give a bit of 
direction and guidance. And so we we saw that as an opportunity to give a lot of artists something that they don't always necessarily have when they're independent, which is a, a team, an infrastructure, someone to write your press releases, someone to help build your narrative, someone to p- pitch you to playlists and blogs, all things that classically maybe a manager would organise and orchestrate. But again, in this industry, as we know, management can be um, something that you don't really require earlier, early on, and, necess- and the dynamic of that... Na- relationship may only necessarily work in a certain way when you're at a certain point in your career but we are kind of saying step into the industry as you mean to be in the industry have that infrastructure behind you have that team of people so that you as the creative can focus on the only real important thing to your career which is creating I mean nowadays an artist has to be a marketing person and a PR person and a publishing expert and so many different things and that can lead to what I, I call like creative fatigue, where everything becomes so tiresome in the rest of the business and you become this multifaceted business person that you now no longer have the juice left to make amazing songs, which is kind of what most artists get into this game for. So we're, we're here to say everything that you would ordinarily do yourself that's going to take you a while, we do that for you. And it's not something that we take a chunk of your career ongoing because we design it in a way where you as the artist are getting the service at the rate that you need it at and you're still at the end of it maintaining all your rights your royalties all of your deals everything that you sort of get off the back of that um so it's infrastructure it's support and it's a team to carry out the necessary work that's needed to make each of your releases successful so what does that look like, just to paint a picture for artists? Um, obviously, you're not doing this for free. So uh, is there an upfront cost or is there a percentage? How does it actually work? Yeah, so usually there's an upfront cost or a cost that you split across a few months or the length of your project, however long your project's running for, depending on how many songs you have. So it varies from project to project and it varies from what you need. Because it could be that you come with your song already made, mixed mastered, you've got a beat for it, you've got a video, and you just want help promoing it, which will be a much smaller cost than, say, if someone comes and says, okay, I've got this great idea for a song, but I need a producer, I need studio time, I need it mixing and mastering, I need a video, at which point we go away, pull all those together from our extensive team of service providers, videographers, get you in a studio. And obviously, all of those costs, we will then consolidate together, hand to an artist, and the artist can then choose whether they want to pay it all at once, whether they want to split those payments across a few months. So you can enter at various levels. We do some really hands-on stuff where we facilitate projects. You know, we bring stylists on board. We will have a videographer out, and we might orchestrate it. We might have set designers. We, we, there's, like, a whole range of different things. And then we might have someone who's pretty much self-sufficient and just needs the promo element at which point we just take the product and shop it out to who we think. But there is a screening process always because we absolutely have to know that we're going to be able to get a result with something before. So when we get sent something, we have to think of things like, do we have the contacts for this genre of music? Do we have the right people to get it in front of so that it has more impact than the last release? Is there a... um, Is there a... 
is there a window of opportunity that is already on the table for an artist of this kind? And is this person ready? Are they at a stage where their music sounds to a quality and level where you would be pitching it to places? So once we've considered all of those things and we think there's a good chance of it, then we're pretty confident in that, that we're able to deliver the service, which is why there is still like a screening element to it all. Um, just so that the artist can get the best. And that's not to say that we can never do the thing, but it might be that someone needs a bit more development. It might be that someone needs to work with different producers, or it might just be the fact of it's something so far removed than anything we've ever done before. I think we've got a good monopoly of genres now. Initially, we were very, really heavily focused on UK hip-hop and rap, but now we've got a much better mix of artists, a much more diverse mix of artists, should I say, and therefore we are able to connect with more people and that opens up opportunities for other genres of artists because you'll find there's areas of crossover. Um, so as long as it's not something so, so far removed than what we have on our roster and we know we've got the for it, we, we then just use the relationships we've built to, uh, to push it out. And then, yeah, you kind of, it's almost like you employ us to do it for you. So if there's something else you want doing or something we could do more of, something that you might want to take out of what we offer, but something else that you want to have add in. We're super flexible at those things, and then the cost is just adjusting according to that. But we never like money to be a blocker to artists either, which is why we have so much flexibility in the way it can be paid. Um, and then I suppose if, if... I believe in all the artists that we work in, but if, for example, there was a particular artist who happened to be exceptional but maybe was really struggling and had just no budget to do anything there are you know there are ways that we can support there are different avenues we can go down in terms of what service providers we use or the types of conversations we have with people because sometimes it does end up being mo more worthwhile to take a chance on somebody um so yeah it, every, each situation is on its own merit, but as a standard term, there is a cost associated with your project, and then we work out if it's affordable for you. I suppose you being an artist yourself, you have a different level of overstanding in terms of what it is to be an artist and overstanding that we are all in unique individuals and so is our music, and the service you offer obviously re reflects that. Um, yeah. Can you tell us about some of the artists that you currently represent and some of the opportunities yeah. that you've obtained for them? Yeah, so, I mean, at the moment we are working with, oh, we have quite a, quite a, like a high number of artists. So we've got over 100 artists on the network. Some of the artists we've worked closely with in the past couple of years, um, we've worked with... Um, a Coventry rapper called Steezy. We've worked with another Coventry rapper called Parker Lou. We've worked with um, a, a rapper from London called Genesis Elijah, who is really, really talented. We have worked with uh, local artists, Flo Lossifer, an amazing um, rapper from Coventry called Mac Backwards. And, I mean, for all of those artists, I think the best uh, one of the best things that happened as a result of just working with the network is um, we put a tour on for them at the end of 2019. We did seven locations all up and down the country, um, and each of them all have their own unique fan bases. So in different locations, everyone's fan base has got to interact, ex get exposed to new music. I mean, people have, you know, collaborated. They have seen all kinds of projects through. We've worked on, we worked on two videos, um, 
in fact, in the last lockdown where we orchestrated, facilitated and helped to release two amazing videos that we worked on um, that have both got over 200,000 views on YouTube. A great artist called Winter Black who had a song called Tokyo last year um, got some really good press coverage for that, got some really good streaming figures, really good visibility for her. Um, so, yeah, there's... Um, there's a lot of there's a lot within what we do that naturally just happens as being part of the network, i.e., getting immediate boosting on people sharing in relevant spaces, brand partnerships. We've actually been working really closely with a, a, an amazing brand called LDNRBS, who um, also uh, work alongside Pulse Radio, um, and they do a lot of promo for our artists as well. They have a larger platform, so they do a lot of the social media protest. Um, protests <laughs> social media promotion for us um, putting things on their spotify playlist adding artists to their radios and i mean in in terms of other things without going into details you know we've helped artists negotiate some amazing deals with labels we put artists in front of amazing a and r's um so we we do you know different things depending on where people are in their career and what do you see for the future of tulu where do you want to be? What do you want to be doing, say, in the next year, five years? I mean, the, 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 next, the next year plan is to really establish ourselves as a name in the industry and to be a real big disruptor in terms of giving um, independent artists their power back in, as, in terms of them being businesses and entities and brands within their own right. Because I feel like that scale is always tipped a bit and there are new players in, in the industry that offer services and opportunities to artists, um, but there's still this massive disconnect. There is still a, um, you're either an unknown artist or you're a well-known artist. And there, and there still has so much improvement and work to be done in the middle ground for artists who might not even want to like I know artists who are like I'm just happy being an independent artist I don't want to um do like I don't want to do like not be able to walk down the street or I don't want to be the next Jay-Z or the next Beyonce there's people who just want to earn a living people who just want to be able to make music and it's about creating a landscape where they're able to do that as their job and their career so we really want to disrupt the industry in that space. Obviously, we would love to see more of our acts this year go on to do bigger things as we've had in previous years. Um, but I think long term for us, we want to create like a system and process that that artists can use, that labels can use, that interlinks everyone in a much less separatist way. And... There's lots of stuff we're working on from a technological standpoint that we think is going to develop and um, lean us more towards that kind of thing um, over the next coming years that we're going to be developing and building on. But primarily, our focus this year is the artists getting as many results for as many artists as possible and building as many new careers as we possibly can. We've talked so much about music. I think it's about time we played another selection. Um, so we've got Lil Roy, Come As You Are. Can you tell us why you chose this one? Yeah, because I love Nirvana and I once discovered that Lil Roy had um, done a whole cover album of Nirvana songs and I just thought it was incredible. And uh, Come As You Are is one of 
my favourite Nirvana song and um, this particular cover of it is so, so dope because it combines the real classic element, like the melody hasn't changed very much, but then it's the beat is completely different and it's it's pretty like it's pretty cool how that's composed. I always listen to I'm I'm a freak for compositions. I just love listening to how they, things have been put together. Who I think would, it's because I can't make beats. I'm obsessed with how that stuff comes together. So I just like always love it when there's a really nice composition. So yeah, that's what this is for me. Here we go with Lil Roy. Come as you are. and an artist manager what were your experiences of the the effects of the pandemic on the music industry I know you mentioned some of them earlier but if you could sum up last year as a whole what were the biggest effects that you felt I feel like obviously in the live space it's destroyed because people the people who have been affected most are the small venues and small venues usually host smaller artists not in terms of that they're not like you know big in potential wise but as in the the numbers of audience members you have based on your locality uh, that independent level artist is going to be more seen in one of these smaller venues um and then even the middle-sized venues working up to nightclubs uh djs who again you know make their livings off of that all of a sudden lost it nightlife has completely changed and now everyone's got a thirst for the bigger events I think the internet has been sort of taken away from the independent artists to some, to some degree as well, because what was happening is that, you know, independent artists would often use things like Instagram Live as a way to connect with their fans. Um, and then big record companies came and they started doing massive productions with laser sets and virtual reality and 3D, stuff that's not at all accessible to independent artists and therefore they've blown that market out of the water as well and then when you get the likes of you know bbc radio one extra hosting live um uh people flock towards those lives and whilst it has been vital in creating opportunities for new um music to surface throughout this time i feel like the internet was that place anyway so it wasn't necessarily a great opportunity for an in like 
not that it's not a great opportunity, but it wasn't necessarily a groundbreaking thing to do to search for new music on the internet. It just meant that instead of spending lots of time on the independent artist Facebook, people would all flock to the bigger platforms like the One Extras or, you know, the Universals where they're hosting their talent shows and competitions. And again, what I was saying before about this, like, sort of separatist-ness and the fact that it's, like, uh, such a big gap between an artist coming in and a more established artist is that then it becomes the haves and haves, not the fews and fars between who's got the best internet connection and could be heard the best, who's, you know, it's it, it becomes almost discriminatory because not everyone has the same access to stuff not everyone was in the same position not everyone has the most attractive backdrop when you're stuck in your house everyone's everyone's working with whatever it is they've got and when you start making you know big productions out of what is usually just something that people are used to watching someone sat in their room or something it changes the quality level so that people cannot as easily just perform to their fans. So in terms of the internet, that's really changed the game. And I know that that's still something that you're seeing now. The level of performance um, for just the live is is upping and upping and upping. So it now becomes a thing of you have to have money because you have to have a really good equipment, really good setup. Um, I think on in terms of artists' mental well-being and in terms of what is required for you to be a creative person you need to live your life you need to be living life so it's being inside all the time having just four walls to look at i feel like you saw a massive influx at the start of people making music about being in lockdown about the lockdown and then all all of a sudden people have said everything they could say about sitting indoors now people are losing their inspiration getting writer's block and again another real, real reason why i've been looking into creating this workshop because I find that, again, relying on inspiration means when you have something like a lockdown, you can't just write a song anymore because you haven't got anything to inspire you. And so it's it comes to a point where you have to start leaning on your skill again. But maybe not necessarily everybody has those skill sets, or at least they don't, or they aren't aware that they have them, that they have it at their disposal. So being able to empower people to write again, you have to get them together and show them the different ways of being able to do what they would ordinarily do if they were living life, if they saw the man in the blue coat at the bus stop that inspired them to write the song, as if, you know, getting into headspace as if you were. So people are struggling to feel creative, to feel like they can make their best stuff. And whilst some amazing stuff has come out of lockdown, a lot of what of artists, have been saying is you know we kind of like miss our old lives and we need our lives back because that's how we make our art so that and that impact is is long-standing i think digitally maybe it's been a bit of a better space for people and it's meant people can focus on their releases and spending time on getting things to sound good i think the positive impact of lots of people turning to learning how to record themselves and produce themselves and learning how to mix themselves or master themselves because they can't get in the room and they can't get the same vibe as what they ordinarily would get. I think that has been actually a positive impact of lockdown. And I think that more collaborations with people via digital platforms like Zoom, um, enabling sessions that in ordinary day-to-day life might not even ever happen because... um, because people wouldn't find the time to get on a train and go somewhere and that was how it was generally done these opportunities that it's opened up hopefully after the lift- lockdown restrictions have lifted we'll see 
lots of artists collaborating who we might not have seen collaborate before. Um, so I think those are just just a few of the, the main ones, I think. Yeah, the impact on live, the impact on digital, and the impact on artist creativity. Those are the main standout ones for me. We're going to talk more about solutions for the music industry. Um, but first, I want to get in another one of your selections, which is Jacure yeah. Longing For. Why did you choose this selection? Oh, this always reminds me. So growing up, I had, like I said, um, I t- sort of touched on briefly earlier, but growing up, I had quite a complex, complex family dynamic. Um, and so certain songs remind me of really happy, positive times. And I remember sort of really nice times around at my dad's house and him sort of having a house full of people, be having a barbecue outside. And this was one song that would always come on in the playlist. So every time I hear it now, it just makes me think of a really happy, nice memory. Here we go with Jacure Longing For. Only you can make me feel just like a king. Love you give to me, sorry, makes me give in. Girl, just like make me to steal your love, keeps falling me in. If it's a battle I fight for you, I have to win to prove to you my love so deep within. It's even getting deeper since I reached prison. Longing for my baby to love me more. What am I longing for? Babylon release the cure. What am I longing for? My baby to love me more. What am I? Now you mentioned earlier on that to be an artist you have to be multifaceted in all the different skills um, that are outside your artistry. Um, What would you say are the top five skills that are most important uh, for the success of an artist now? So I would say, number one, having a good grasp on social media and just the general internet, your internet digital presence, because that's your essentially like your shop window. People will see it first, everyone asks for it. Um, and when you go on, it's not even necessarily always your numbers, but it's about how you present yourself on there and what you do. So having the skill of understanding social media is like I think super super lucrative and then next I would say is understanding your audience and insights about your audience because all of your analytics all of your insights are going to tell you and help to steer your strategy your planning what your audience reacts to and what they don't react to it's going to make it so that you can do more of the same or you can target more of the same people And then I think that you have to be super adaptable, ready to sort of change, ready to ride a wave at any single time, depending on where it takes you. I think you need to be able to be a bit of a plate spinner and to be able to pick up a couple of different, a couple of different hats, because again, 
even though I feel like the main focus should be on the music, it could be that you are particularly popular at a certain style of video on on a certain platform and it might be that in and amongst making your music you also need to be that person that does i don't know funny i've got an, we've got this great guy called pad who's a part of a producer duo and he makes really funny random like songs about really random stuff like the other day he made one about weasels and he makes these little animated videos now realistically if he was just to create music all the time he would just make his songs that he's going to release and do that. But there's this whole other entertaining facet that keeps his audience engaged. So therefore, he'll write a song and put it put it out on his Instagram that's a bit silly and a bit whimsical. And he just wears both of those hats really effortlessly now and can just go between the two. And I mean, it's naturally part of his personality. Um, so it, it really comes quite naturally to him. But identifying something like that and then being able to play all of those roles, I think is really, really important. Obviously, as always, you know, being being talented and dedicated, and not that's maybe not necessarily a skill, but it's something that you definitely, definitely have to have, especially now. I don't know any... I would say sane person maybe who's starting up a music career right now because of the times that we're in. So unless you're super passionate and dedicated about it, you're not gonna you're not gonna stick it out and stay the distance because it is literally too hard. There's just a million and one other things in the world that would be easier to do. So dedication, I'm passionate about what it is, like loving it. And then being able to know how to network, like networking who you know and impressing people with your sort of general like what you're about I think that's really really important to be able to do that so that you can leave a room and leave an impression um because people wanting to help you and people seeing the value in what you do it can only ever enhance and grow you so if you're sort of not able to network, not able to strike up connections with people. And you'll find that as you go down the road when you need things and people aren't maybe forthcoming or helpful because they don't remember you from that event because you didn't speak to them or it's it's just, it's, it's almost impossible to navigate an industry like this without networking. So you mentioned as your number one was social media. Can you reveal... Mm-hmm the social media that you feel that every artist should have in 2021? Um, I still think, I personally, from all of my experience, think it depends on what kind of artist you are. I know everybody says, at the moment, TikTok. Everyone says TikTok is the place to be. Um, but I don't believe that. I don't believe that the artist necessarily has to be on TikTok because I feel like the power of TikTok is actually from multiple people using your song for something so having your music on there definitely i think most um distributors will supply the uh, the social media platforms that allow you to use music in your posts will supply your songs there but obviously check that they do do that but for me i think you're best off understanding who your audience is and what social media they use and then getting on that because like there's some social medias that people don't even know about like that are like decentralized ones that loads of people use like there's a 
platform called Steam that isn't a super popular thing, but lots of people do use it. Now, if you happen to be a particular type of left field, quirky hip hop who might have an audience that are also, I don't know, gamers and techies, you might find that your whole audience is on Steam. And if you were on there, you would blow up. Um, I think you should always follow who, where your audience is because like some some styles of music or some songs may not blow up on TikTok. So if you were then to try and place your song there, it's just going to be disheartening. You're not going to get the result you want. Um, so I, I think everything, like I, from in my experience, everything is tailored down to the individual. Everything is tailored down to your sound. And most importantly, everything is tailored down to your audience. When you've got a group of people and you can predict their behaviours, they usually all do similar types of things. And you see that from human behaviour. We're all just so the same in different groups. Um, in our human behaviour, some of us who like this also like that. And if that's your audience, you need to be where they are. There's a really good platform called Twitch, again, that's heavily based around gaming. So if that is a, if that is a crossover of your genre type and that's where your audience like to be, be on Twitch. Instagram has its sort of age demographic and type of person. It's super fast content. It's high-paced content, probably likely to be much younger people, sort of 35 and under. Um, so if that's who your audience is, that's where you should be. If you've got a much older audience or you have like a really broad audience where a bit of everyone, you might still be over on Facebook. And potentially if you've got like a super opinionated audience or a really artsy audience, you might be somewhere like Vero. Um, so I feel like the the best thing with social media is to understand your audience, look on all the different platforms that you're on, really understand who that person is until you can make a profile. Like I can say my listener is between, usually a female between 18 and 25 years old and she likes fashion and she likes photography and she likes shoes and she likes to cook. And then I can go, oh, okay, so she might be on Instagram quite a lot or she might be on Pinterest quite a lot. And then it's like, how do you place yourself there so that people can also find your music? Um, and I think that takes away a lot of the tiresome effort of trying to, you know, get lots of visibility on a platform if you've got not very many followers. Just getting really specific, like, who am I talking to? And then only talk to that person. I think you definitely broke down um, social media for anybody that wasn't sure or confused as to where they sit. Um, before we move on to your next selection, I wanted you to just give an insight um, into releasing new music. Now, you can make the best song in the world, but marketing and timing is everything. What strategies uh -huh. should artists be using to release new music? So I think one of, I think the main thing with a, a new release is like you were saying it's your it's your timing um your timing for everything so I would say for example if you're trying to make a big splash and you're trying to I don't know maybe you know there's like iTunes charts and you're trying to break numbers and stuff like that you might want to avoid releasing when there's going to be a big album coming out that's been really hyped. Uh, sometimes you can't you can't help the surprise drop because artists do like to not give a date and just drop these days. But if you know there's been a massive ad campaign around an artist who's huge 
and it's going to completely blow you out of the water, maybe time it around a few days, because enough days so that you can pick up some of the traction from that, but not so close that you're going to get overshadowed. I think promo and having all of the elements of promo together, ready to go beforehand, I hate and I always say to people, it's always the most stressful, scrambling for assets. Like, oh, where's my coming soon? Where's my out now? Where's this? Have it all together and make sure that you've got a timely plan of how you're going to intrigue people. Are you going to show them you in the studio making the song? Are you going to share a clip of the song? Is there a visual? Are you going to share a clip of that? And when are you going to share it? How are you going to entice people? Is the video so mind-blowing that you want to save it for a surprise and only tease with the audio? Or is the video going to enhance it? And then making sure everything's optimised, so going on all, to, on all of your different artist profiles on different platforms, making sure you've got a good profile, making sure you've uploaded it so that it's your, your, you know, your latest single is your next pick, and then speaking to people, who writes about artists that are similar to you? Find those writers, send them your song. Um, who's smaller down the chain? Like rather than just going straight for like a Spotify editorial playlist, who? What smaller playlisters will play your song? Is there a local shop of yours that has a Spotify playlist that that you think your music would fit into? Really tap into what what is accessible to you and make sure that you have tapped into everything that is possibly accessible to you. So if there's a page that does music blog reviews and it's only got 150 followers and you get 10 of those, you've, that's 1,500 people that you've got your thing in front of, but it's also 10 different blogs, which means that when you're Google, Google searching, you're going to come up at the top. And it also means that all of the other big publications who don't spend their time on the ground like smaller blogs finding new art they use these smaller blogs to to decide you know who 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 is who are we going to talk about what's popping up on the internet loads of places let's um put things here as well as stuff that gets submitted directly to them so really building up towards that and then obviously i mean the number one thing like make sure it sounds good like make sure that it's mixed properly make sure it's mastered properly make sure that there's no silly sound errors on there um because it's always automatically going to lose a tiny bit of quality anyway but by the time it's got there so you just want to make sure that it's going to be the best possible quality um so that stands out and then talk about it for as long as your single is running for so if your next single doesn't come out for six weeks then you're talking about what you've just released for six weeks like make sure that it's constantly in people's faces in every single conversation and also get super personal when you're messaging don't just mass message everyone and say hey check out my new single customize your message even if you're doing it in batches or even if you're making little groups customize your message so that when you're speaking to people they are feeling like a personal connection to you so that they want to go off and share it and spread it around for you and once you've got you get your fans engaged in that level working for you as it were to share it out i think you know and you've got all your materials in line i think a sure way to have a successful release 
Wow, thank you so much for sharing all of that wisdom. There's so much um, for musicians and artists there to, you know, get in, be getting along with in terms of yeah. your advice on the social media, like I said, how to, re- how to release um, new works. Um, so I, I hope uh, all the musicians have found it helpful and inspired them, like I said, in this lockdown that we're in um, for new strategies and how to move forward with their music. But we're going to... Yeah move on with some more music um, with one of your selections which is Pressure, Love and Affection can you tell us why you chose this one? Yeah, again this is just another one of those where I had a really strong memory of of just really nice times I think it was like the summer when I was 22 and I just remember that whole summer I was on I was so I'd been on tour I had just done like all of the rounds um, of you, like of um, end of end of first year, and then was leading into freshers. And I was having a little break, and I just spent a lot of time round at my dad's house. And yeah, it was just food, music. My dad's an amazing cook, so he would always be making something, and there was always good music. And my dad has the most insane CD collection. Um, and obviously put all his music into digital form. So listening to um, my dad's music collection, some of the stuff, because I, I didn't grow up heavily listening to secular music, some of the stuff that I would find through listening to what my dad listens to would just be mind-blowing. And a lot of the reggae I discovered was through listening to my dad's collection. So, yeah, I love I love these kinds of songs because it always reminds me of those summers round at my dad's house. This is most definitely a tribute to him. Here we go with pressure, love and affection. Pressure. Let me give you some love and affection. You got my attention. You need no correction. Make your poor blessings in your direction. You got my attention. What an So long I've been waiting To be with you all alone I've been anticipating The first time we kissed Was breathtaking And girl We got a bright future in the making Whoa. When we are together My heart feels so much better Oh girl I need you and that's no So glad that I made you mine. Oh, keep that precious smile on your face. I will keep you warm and safe. Make it worthwhile. Just you and I, we love the most I create. Let's start a family and make things great. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom and advice um, for all of the musicians out there. Are there any final words? of positivity or advice or inspiration that you'd like to leave um, with the listeners and fellow musicians looking towards the future? Yeah, I think, you know, through throughout the difficult times of the past year and COVID and everything, I think what's kept so many people's spirits up is 
you know, the artists in the world who have continued to create stuff for people to consume in some of the darkest times, whether it be visual art or music. Um, you know, it's it's a testament to it's a testament to humanity to have creative people in the world to create beautiful things in moments of intense trouble. So regardless of, you know, what happens with lockdowns and the rules restricting or not restricting, as far as everyone can, you know, draw on the innate skills that you have naturally given within you to keep on making amazing art because it really does make a difference in the world whether you see it immediately or not. With that in mind, we're going to move on to your final selection, which is Chronics Likes. Can you tell us why you chose this as your final selection? I mean, I feel, I feel like it literally sums up my relationship with um, music, with the industry, with our business. It's like, ultimately, why we do this is if we do it for the absolute love of it, like in the times where, where there's you know, it's late, you're hungry, you're in a session with someone or you're you're on a, a video set or you're staying up late to write a press release or staying up late to record or write something. The thing that always fuels and keeps it going for me is just the absolute sheer love for what for what it is that we do. So yeah, likes by chronics sums up how I feel about all of this. Thank you so much for all of your time and wisdom shed. I really, really do appreciate it as a musician myself. And I hope it does benefit all of our community as a whole. Thank you ever so much. And thank you so much for having me on. I think this is an amazing thing that you're doing. And it's really like great of you to take time out to sit and like tell people's stories. So thank you. You're more than welcome. I hope everybody has enjoyed this week's episode and this week's guest. Uh, Please make sure you're back here next Wednesday for another brand new episode. I hope you have a wonderful week. I'm going to leave you with the sounds of Chronics Likes. As always, blessed love. Success don't come overnight. Don't make them know a substance over hype. Do it for the love, we not do it for the light. Enough of them love likes, that's alright. Sit down on a post and a tweet all night. Sit them on social media type. Why like said them they a studio advice. But me never put them up on no flight. And me never see them a live not all life. You miss a man, now you have so much likes. I'm all still a lead for iTunes Simple mean we not ready yet If we put the music first and solve While we day on a war and a hype Fury a work, work, work and solve When you see me yes in a CI And every tune when me ever write And every show where we Instead of 